This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. One more game before the break in Dallas Saturday afternoon. A blast from the past sits down with Ben this morning. Corey Massasak, former Caps beat writer, will join us. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, January 25th. Welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. It's a travel day for the Capitals from Denver to Dallas. No game now until Saturday after playing the Avalanche last night. And one more game before the break. That against the Stars, a matinee on Saturday after a couple of days off in Texas. Today on the show, Ben Raby chats with former Caps beat writer, now scribe for the Denver Post, Corey Massasak, on comparisons of the Rock the Red Capitals to the modern-day Avalanche, his career in hockey, and more. I'll lead you off the bat, Corey. We'll get to your, your your journey as a whole in a moment, but year one covering the Avalanche in Denver, uh, a far more polished group than the one you would have covered in Washington, say, 14, 15 years ago. But, but golly, a team that could score goals in bunches. What's it like covering the 2023-24 Colorado Avalanche? Yeah, it's it's certainly been interesting. They're, I mean, you know, this is my fourth NHL team, and the two in the middle were both very much in sort of rebuilding phases, so that was a different type of deal to cover. But, yeah, I mean, I, I have noticed, at least early on with the Avs, I was drawing on some of my experiences with the Capitals, but they're in very different stages of their contending lives, right? Like, the Caps were very much a team on the up, and it felt like we were always talking about, like, they need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to play the right way, et cetera, et cetera. And this team has all of that stuff all locked in. Like it was, it was from day one at training camp. It was this team won the cup two seasons ago. They know how to do it. That's the goal. It's championship or bust. And so that's this is really the first team I think that I've covered that it's really, you know, the Capitals kind of got into cup or bust mode after I was gone. So this has really been an interesting sort of way to go about a season where. You know, uh, the process matters more than the results some nights, and they know they're going to win a lot of games, so if they play well and lose, it doesn't really affect them very much. So I got a nerdy journalist question here. You referenced the stops you've had along the way. Corey Massasek is not in the business of no movement clauses here, having covered the Capitals, the Devils, the Sharks, the Avalanche. You say now in Denver you draw on some of that experience having covered the Capitals back you know, 10, 15 years ago. What does that do for you as a hockey reporter? You've covered four different teams, covered teams in different parts of the country. Does that change anything? Does it offer a skill set that maybe others don't have? What's that like just as far as covering four different teams over the course of, again, about the last 15 years or so? Yeah, I mean, I think at least... It probably leads to some interesting stories anyway, like <laughs> being able to be like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, just just a, here's a perfect example. Uh, when I watch the Colorado Avalanche play, I am very often reminded of how much Alexander Semen used to drive his coaches, plural, <laughs> crazy with all of the drop passes as they crossed over the blue line and just the different ways that he would maybe expose himself with the puck because he was so confident and controlling it. These guys do that all the time. Their offensive strategy is their best players kind of walk the blue line or loop around at the blue line. They'll drop the puck for each other in places where I'm like, oh, my God, like Bruce Boudreau or Dale, Dale Hunter, any Dale of those Hunter, guys, yes. pulling whatever hair they have <laughs> to do it. And it's, it's just, I mean, part of it is the way that hockey has evolved, but also it's just that these guys are, you know, I, I used to, you know, you, we used to marvel at how good Mike Green and Alexander Semin and Alex Ovechkin were. And these guys are like, 
those guys only older and they know what they can do and it's just a it's 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 very interesting i do that's i i do laugh sometimes when i'll see you know miko ranton and go across the blue line and just like drop a puck for somebody who's not even you know was 25 feet away and i'm like oh my god <laughs> that would get somebody benched 10 years ago and but that's the way they play and they're very successful with it so you you covered the capitals 08 to 13 i'm doing this on top of my head 08 to 13 around Oh yeah, oh, oh like the start of the 0708 season until like 2011. But yeah. Okay, what stands out about that time? That must feel like eons ago for you at times given how much has transpired since. But what stands out as far as that time and covering that team during that specific era? Yeah, I mean, the thing that immediately comes to mind is just like they were just really fun. <laughs> like like it, it was it was definitely a different sort of deal whether it was at nhl.com covering, you know, like the Blackhawks and Kings teams, like those were great teams, but like the Caps team, you know, at the end of the 07-08 season, the entire 08-09, the entire 09-10, like they were just, you know, I mean, that's as about as aesthetically pleasing of hockey as, you know, we've seen, you know, and and there are, there have been other teams that, are, that have been like them too. I, I think the team that I'm covering right now is, is pretty fun offensively as well, but those guys, obviously, I mean, they just, you know, they had guys like Ovechkin and Semin who would just do something once a week that you're like, I've never seen that before. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably it. And also just, you know, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's been weird to see sort of, we're getting now down to the, we're not even on like the back nine of the Ovechkin Crosby era. We're like at like the 15th or 16th hole. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, just watching those guys, you know, then even, and now too, like covering Nathan McKinnon, who is, you know, it's like McKinnon and McDavid and Matthews, and they're like kind of supposed to take the, you know, take the torch from those guys. And it's sort of the, the differences and similarities between McKinnon and, and Ovechkin and, you know, the differences between Kale McCarr and, you know, Mike Green, you know, it's just, it's, that's all been pretty fascinating. I feel like from a national perspective, Matthews gets the headlines, McDavid for obvious reasons, you got Bedard up and coming, Crosby still hanging on as far as the national recognition and the cachet that his name brings. Is McKinnon, you're, you're embedded in Denver now, but is, is McKinnon nationally? Is he, is he underappreciated? What should people know about him? Yeah, that's what everybody keeps. I'm, I've heard that a lot this year. Like someone from a different city will come in here and ask Jared Bednar, like, "Do you think Nathan McKinnon is like not appreciated enough?" Or, like, he's never won the Hart Trophy. It's been interesting because he's, you know, that he doesn't look at it like he's totally like he wants to win as many Stanley Cups as as Sidney Crosby did or more. That's his. You know, he grew up idolizing Sid. They're buddies. Uh, he looks at everything as in terms of. Cups one. He doesn't really care about the individual stuff, but this might be the year. Like this is, you know, McDavid got off to a slow start, and you know he's been right there at the top of the league in points, and he has been just incredible for like two months straight now. It's kind of crazy. I think he has a point in like thirty of the last thirty-one games or something yeah. like that. And yeah, he is he is a force of nature on the ice in a way that really the only guy I've seen like him is is number eight in Washington, really. I mean, they're, they're, they're different, but just the speed and especially the physicality, I think the thing that separates him from, makes him different from, from McDavid. I don't want to say he's better, but McDavid is the fastest player in the history of the game with a puck on his stick, and Nathan McKinnon is close to that, but he's also like crazy physical, and just like guys just bounce off of him like a video game. And so that's sort of the thing, like... You know, when they when they drop the puck to him and he gets rewinds it up from the defensive zone, it's uh, it's kind of a sight to see. Reference a moment ago covering Kale McCarr and thinking back to peak Mike Green, the thirty goal season he had. So I'm going to present this to you, Corey. I think there's been one thirty goal score among defensemen in the last thirty years. You covered it. It was Mike Green. 
There's been one 100-point defenseman in the past 30 years. That was Eric Carlson in San Jose. You covered him. Now you cover Kale McCarr. He could hit both those marks, not necessarily this year, but certainly sometime over the next few seasons. He has that potential in him. Carlson and McCarr viewed as maybe all-time greats, at least in the conversation for, for McCarr, certainly. Green had those two years. How would you describe Mike Green during those two years? And, and what's different when you see what McCarr does on a nightly basis and is potentially capable of as far as the longevity that is in his game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest difference. Like, yeah, I, I would certainly say, like to me, Eric Carlson is probably the best defenseman in the league since Lidstrom. And I say that, like, he is for now. I think Kale McCarr is going to pass him, like, either this year or next year or in the near, in the near future. Um, you know, Mike was those, – those few years that Mike had were – I mean, they were amazing. He – you know, he was, I don't want to say he like, he walked so Kale McCarr could run or something like that, but he definitely played the position a little bit differently than the way it had, it had trended over the, like the decade before him. And so, yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> it is, it is kind of crazy to think like, uh, think of how those three guys are similar to each other. I think Green and Carlson were a little more similar. And then McCarr is, he has some of the same similarities. Like I, like I think of like, McCarr has this, this wrist shot that is, I'm actually working on a story about it right now because it's just, there's no, there's nothing else like it from the top of the zone, whereas like Mike was a, you know, he had that just ridiculous one timer, and then Carlson has like these like kind of these things that he would do like even in the neutral zone and just the way that he would help create offense, just like kind of like skating around and through guys, and like Kale does a little bit of all of that, but then I, I think that the one thing that maybe separates Kale from those two, and does put him into he's like on the path to being one of the all-time greats is that he just, he does everything. He's maybe their best penalty killer. He's, you know, he can be physical when he needs to be. He like, you know, can kind of knock guys off the puck. He just, he's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they had this, this team has three of the five or seven or 10 best players in the world. Like Miko Rantanen really doesn't even get nearly as much attention as the other two because the other two are, you know, (laughs) that, that good. But you know, this might, the, the avalanche might have the best defense core in the league one through six. And having, you know, McCarr at the top of it certainly is, is kind of the starting point. And not big, but, but he, 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 can play, he play, plays above his weight class, we'll say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, and look, I, I think that's the thing. I think, I think Mike did too, right? I mean, I, th- I think Mike Green was never, you know, no one ever thought he was going to be like Chris Pronger or anything. But he definitely, you know, when he was going at, at top speed and another guy had the puck and was going at top speed, he could separate them. I mean, that was, you know, he wasn't putting guys through the boards or anything. That's kind of what, uh, you know, you just, you sort of notice like, McCarr will, he'll, you know, some guy will try to forecheck him and he'll like kind of shrug him off with one arm and keep the puck with his stick on the other and, and then make a pass and you're just like, Jesus, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, those, those are certainly some similarities, I would say. All right, final couple. Appreciate the time here with Corey Massasak. Uh, bring it back full circle a little bit. You touched on Semin at the start, how he could have looked in an offense like the Avalanche these days. And then we're talking about Mike Green. Talking about two players in Capitals history, maybe maybe both of them a little ahead of their time, how they both could have fared in today's NHL, especially Green. You wonder, a healthy Mike Green these days? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and look, I think... You know they they showed it. I mean, you know Bruce Boudreau coming along at the time he did was was good timing for them because he let them do some of the things that other coaches before and after him maybe wouldn't necessarily have have enjoyed watching. Definitely them do. after. So, yeah, I do. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, they. Uh, you know, look, we we you know this was 
I, I actually mentioned this to somebody uh, probably a couple weeks ago on the apps beat just about like we were actually talking about this about the drop passes and I was just like man there were you know it was like a annual thing every year where for 10 or 12 games you know Alexander Semen would be the best player on that team and like everybody would be like man he has the ability to be the best player on this team despite the fact that there were at least two other potential you know one no doubt and one potential Hall of Famer you know playing with him so yeah, so, you know, I mean, like, that's just, uh, it was, you know, I'm sure both of them could have played, you know, in the 70s or 80s too or whatever, but they, they certainly, um, given that sort of the the way goal scoring has gone up over the last four or five years around the league, I'm sure both of them would put up monster numbers uh, if you dropped, you know, 25-year-old version of them in into the league today. Last one for you, real hardball-hitting stuff here, Corey. Who, who's your go-to guy in Washington? Who's the go-to guy you went to for for quotes? Or who do you like writing about in these parts? Oh man, that was, that was uh, I think that was part of it too. Was there were just some great people, great personalities to talk to on that, on that team, right? Like, you know, like I mean, I I, I guess I probably have to say Brooks, like, um, and Carl Alzner both were guys that oh. were just like, I mean, they, I mean, they were both really good players for uh, for an amount of time, but they were also like they spent so much time talking to the media <laughs> just because they were, you know, they were they were so great, you know, great quotes and just like insightful and funny and all all of those things. So yeah. I would, It'd be tough, but there were. I mean, you know, Mike Knubel was great, and Jason. Oh, he was uh, a beauty, Knubel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Old was, school. Honestly, there were even guys. I mean, there were guys like even like kind of off the radar guys who weren't necessarily. You wouldn't want to talk to them every day. They weren't like go-to guys, but just in the right scenario, they would just they would come up with some quote, and you'd be like, "Man, that that's that's pretty great." So yeah. Well, we appreciate the perspective. Things you're probably not asked about on the daily basis, Corey. We do appreciate this, going down memory lane a little bit and tying it into the current gig covering the Colorado Avalanche. Pretty good opportunity, pretty good gig for you. You know what you got to do one of these days, Corey? you got to cover a Stanley Cup final with the team you're, you're covering. How does that sound? <laughs> well, you know what? I did enough of them uh, while I was at NHL.com that I, I, I've experienced it, but it is whenever you're the beat writer uh, – yeah. You know, in the day-to-day thing, it's it's definitely a different kind of grind. So, it's uh, you know, and the thing is here too, the 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 Nuggets are, you know, they won the NBA title last year. They're a contender this year. So it's like between the two teams, we have it's like, like ball arenas, like the, guaranteed win night every night. That's well, it's like, and also the uh, the the Nuggets writer who used to cover the Avalanche, Bennett uh, Durando. He he and I are basically we just know that we're both going to work every day during the spring until both teams are out. And it might be that they both might go to the end and it could be crazy. But uh, yeah, between the two of us, we'll be doing, we'll be covering plenty of playoff games this year, probably one way or another. Good problem to have. And before that, we'll see you here in a few weeks. Yes. Mid February. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I'm looking forward to that one. It's been, uh, I think it's actually been a couple seasons since I've been to D I think I missed the DC trip uh, whenever I was in San Jose. And I think I might've missed the last one whenever I was in New Jersey as well. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back and, Seeing some old friends. Mike Vogel says he's got a new pizza place for me to try out. Oh, there you go. About. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good trip. That's the advantage of having covered so many teams over the years. You have friends in every place. That's how to do it. Appreciate this, Corey. Corey Massasak. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thanks for having me, as always. Good to hear from an old friend. That's Corey Massasak. Now with the Denver Post with Ben. It's the Capitals and the Dallas Stars Saturday at 1 Eastern, 1245 airtime on 1067 A Fan and always right here on Caps Radio 24-7. Heard for free at CapsRadio247.com. Have a great Thursday, everybody. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! 
Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.